Prayer is your place of safety, and that's true in 2020. So God put this on my heart the first part of the year. So I'm doing a series on prayer, and um, how many know prayer is the most important thing you'll ever do in your Christian life? I had about three rousing amens. The rest of you looking at me? So we're talking about the importance of prayer, how it can be really the most important part of your day. Week one, we talked about Jesus' prayer life. Even though he was the Son of God, he took a lot of extra time to pray. Sometimes he took whole nights in prayer. He would uh, frequently go up into a mountain, a solitary place, and pray. Uh, he had one of his favorite places to pray was the Garden of Gethsemane, where he found himself just before he gave his life for us. So Jesus uh, set us an example uh, before protracted times of ministry, he had prolonged periods of prayer. We mentioned that week one, and that leads us to say that if you want to have an effective life, pray about every single thing you do in detail. The details of that are online on our website, week one. Week two, we talked about, that's last week, we talked about the why behind prayer. Most people don't do a lot of praying because they don't see any reason for it because they have bought a lie. And the lie is, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Doesn't matter how I act, what I do, God's going to have his way. That is a lie. Amen. I got one amen and some nods and some people looking. I want to stir you up. To, I want to passion you to pray. If God's will was being done, then babies wouldn't die. Car crashes wouldn't occur. Huh? People wouldn't die before their time. God's will's not always done. It's God's will. Well, I'll, I'll get to meddling. I'll be quiet now. But I'm just saying, God's will is not always accomplished. Huh? How many hear me? And we talk, we're talking about the why. So last week, we discovered we're looking at 10 points that explain why we must pray. I'm just going to go through the first six that we covered last week. And we'll cover seven, eight, and nine well today and then hit 10 the next time we're here. So uh, uh, last week, we mentioned the fact that, you know, heaven wasn't always a, 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 just a, a, an exquisitely peaceful place. There was a being that God created. His name was Lucifer. It means light one or light bearer. He actually led an insurrection of a third of the angels against God because he was lifted up in pride and thought that he could govern the universe better than God could. You find that in Ezekiel 28. We talked about it in great detail last week. And God kicked him out of heaven and he fell to the earth and corrupted the earth. And I don't have time to go into it. There's some interesting things in that. Listen to last week. And then when God created Adam and Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden, Satan was here because he had been kicked out of heaven. When God created Adam and, and his wife Eve, Genesis 1.26 is clear that God gave humanity through them a measure of God's all authority. I mentioned last week that God is the overarching authority over all. God transcends or lives outside of creation. It's kind of heady stuff to think about. God is so big and the universe is so fast, but he can still hold the universe in the palm of his hand. That, that, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to quantify that. And, you know, if you have this scientific bend towards you, it's, it's like, man, that, that just puts me on tilt strong. He lives outside of creation, so he's the overarching authority over all. But when he created the earth, he gave Adam and Eve 
a measure of his authority to oversee the earth on his behalf, to take care of it, and as it were, to be his underruler on earth. That's clear. And we looked at a number of passages last week that uh, mentioned that. When Adam and Eve sinned, that authority that God gave humanity, Adam and Eve, and in them humanity, was two things happened when Adam and Eve sinned. First of all, they broke fellowship with God for the entire human race. So the default of life for all of us is lack of fellowship with God, spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from God. You wonder why all the atrocities on an ever-increasing scale are happening today and more and more and more in, the, in American culture. It's because we are spiritually dead and the church is responsible to preach and teach the new birth so people can come alive and get out of that morass of mess. How many hear me? So Adam and Eve, number one, sinned. Secondly, when they sinned, there was an automatic transfer of of authority from Adam and Eve to Satan. You, You become subservient to the spiritual entity you obey. If you obey the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and follow the culture of the world... Well, then you'll be subservient to Satan. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, the authority God gave them was automatically transferred. And, uh, and, and that happened. And, and so Satan has a legal right to be here. Point number six, Satan now has a legal right to rule on earth until that lease of dominion given to Adam by God runs out. We mentioned last week, evidently when God originally gave Adam and Eve a measure of his all authority. It was for an appointed period of time. Demon spirits being cast out by Jesus in the Gospels would say things like, have you come here to torment us before the time? What time? The time that that authority ends. Because they knew they had a right to be here. They knew they were legally able to be here. And then Revelation 12, 12 mentions the fact that Satan has, or 12, 10, 12, 12, Satan knows he has but a short time. And then the whole reason, one of the reasons for the second coming of Christ, Jesus will defeat all of his enemies. He will defeat Satan and take that authority away that he originally had, that he got from Adam, that Adam got from God. Jesus will snatch it from him, throw him in a bottomless pit where he'll fall for a thousand years, then be released, then be judged and cast into a place called the lake of fire. That is the eventual end of our enemy. Aren't you glad that one day he will be dealt with? How many, know, how, many, how many would say he's, he's made a mess in your life and in your family and people you know and love? Yes or no? Well, his payday's coming. Just be aware. Right? So we talked about all that last week. Now, number seven, I want to get right to the point here today. Number seven is Satan now has a legal right to be here. Again, we're talking about why we must pray. Why should we pray? Because the thief is let loose. Satan has a legal right to be here. He got it from Adam and Eve when they sinned. God, let me say it again, it's controversial it seems, but if you study the Bible, it's true. God God can do nothing. God set up the whole system here whereby he works through human beings. And if God now wants to do something on the earth, he's got to find the cooperation of a human before he can do what he wants to do or he can't do it because Satan got a legal authority to be here. Do you hear me? So why should we pray? 
Because if we don't pray, God can't do everything He wants to do in your life, in your family, in your job, in your children, in your circumstances, in your, in your locale, in your state, in your nation, in your world. How many hear me? In every way. So why should we pray? Our prayers, I know it sounds odd to a religious mind, our prayers give God permission to act. And without our praying, His hands are tied. Wonder how many people tie God's hands because they're, they're so uh, busy and involved in everything else they don't pray. How many hear me? So if you think about it that way, I don't know about you, but it moves me to want to spend time praying. Perhaps that's the reason Jesus, when his disciples said, teach us to pray. And the first thing in that prayer, he worshiped God and then he prayed, Lord, let your kingdom come. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why did Jesus pray that way? Jesus prayed that way because he knew that man had to give God permission to move in the earth. And Jesus was the representative man. And he had fellowship with God. He wasn't under Satan's jurisdiction and control. And so he prayed, Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And he was showing us, if you want God to do something in the world and in your life, you've got to ask him. Because God set this whole thing up for a human to control the earth. We control the spiritual environment or we give it away. Adam and Eve gave it away. Jesus was showing the church, if you'll pray, the kingdom of God will, will expand and manifest everywhere you pray. Is that all right? So Satan has legal right. Let me say this. Satan has a legal right to be here. What do I mean by that? Well, that means that God can't just dispossess him of his power and authority that he got from Adam and Eve when they sinned. If God could do that, and he didn't do that, then he doesn't care about us. No, if he could have done it, he would have. He couldn't because he was bound by legality. Psalm 89, 14. Justice and judgment are the foundation of the throne of God. Some people think, well, I know most Americans think, well, everybody's going to heaven because God loves us. You don't go to heaven because God loves you. God loves every person that's burning in the flame of hell today. He loves Judas. He loves his enemies. But God's love is based on justice. And we can't go to heaven just because we sweet and nice and because God loves us. No, we go to heaven because somebody loved us enough to legally pray, pay the price for our sin. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the first man born since Adam's sin, born in fellowship with God, born out from under Satan's jurisdiction and control. Jesus had the authority of the first man. Satan had no control over him. Satan came to him, and Jesus said, he has nothing in me. He, he can't touch me, right? No, no, God has to work through a man. So when God originally created Adam and Eve, that was a time-limited authority. Satan got it. And God can't do anything about it until an appointed time. That's what the second coming of Christ is all about. See, if you just read the surface, if you just read the 365-day-a-year Bible and don't do any studying, you can't figure all this out. How many hear me? It takes the Holy Spirit to reveal truth. 
But when you let Scripture line up with Scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, things begin to fall in place. Satan has a legal right to be here. And with that legal right, he's working right now to hinder the purposes of God. And, that's, and, and so we're in a battle. The Bible, New Testament, one of the analogies that we have for believers is we are soldiers in an army and we're fighting. And we have weapons. How many hear me? John 10, 10, listen to these scriptures that reveal the fact that Satan has a right to be here. Jesus recognized that. And if we recognize that, it will move us to pray. John 10, 10, you know the scripture, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. New Living Translation says the thief's purpose. How many know Satan is a thief? What does the thief do? He takes what doesn't belong to him. So what you got to know about the enemy is he'll run roughshod over you. He'll eat your breakfast, lunch, dinner, take your clothes, take your car, take your house, take your spouse, take your children, and leave you absolutely with nothing. And then blame God. Say, God, if God loved you, that wouldn't happen. Is that true? If you read the book of Job, Satan came before God. Have you noticed your servant Job? He's perfect in all his ways. That's an upright man. If you take everything he's got, if you touch his family, if you touch his body, he curse you to your face. And you know what God said to Satan, Job chapter 2? Behold, he's already in your hands. If you read Job 3.25, Job said, that which I was afraid of has happened to me. Job opened the door of his life through fear to satanic attack. How many hear me? God didn't smite Job. God didn't destroy his cattle, didn't destroy his family, didn't destroy his health, his marriage. The devil did. Satan's the accuser. Satan's the thief. He's the robber. There's people in the room today, you're thinking, well, if God loved me, if God cared, this wouldn't have happened. It ain't about God's care. It's not about God's love. It's about a thief that's loose. And if nobody does anything about the thief, how many hear me? Then he can wreak havoc. We're in a dangerous world. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a macabre subject, perhaps, but it's truth. Job, John 14, 30, Jesus said this, preparing his disciples for him, leaving the earth. I will no longer, I will no longer talk much with you. Now notice how what he called the devil. For the ruler of this world is coming. Now, isn't that odd that Jesus called the devil the ruler of this world? Does that mean that the, the devil is stronger than God? Absolutely not. What does it mean? It's, it's giving, it's giving uh, understanding to the fact that when God created Adam and Eve, humankind here, he gave us a measure of his authority and Adam gave it away. Satan legally possessed that authority when Adam, he got Adam and Eve. He, he deceived Eve. And then Adam did what he did in the absolute light of knowledge. He knew what he was doing. He knew God said, don't touch the forbidden fruit. He knew God said, don't disobey me. If you do, you will surely die. And when he saw his, when he saw his wife with the fruit in her hand, and she had a bulging cheek, man, this is the best stuff I've ever had in my life. Would you take a piece? He heard what God said. He knew, he, he knew God said, in the day that you eat it, you'll die. He said, Eve, what in the world? Eve, Eve, what happened to you? Why'd you do that? And Eve said, well, this guy over here said I wouldn't die. I'm alive. Look, I've, been more, I've never been more alive in my life. He said, you, you mighty purdy. 
And Adam heard what God said, but he loved the woman. And he said, give me a piece. And Adam sinned. And when he did, that authority was given away. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Then Jesus here, I will no longer talk much with you, John 14, 30. The ruler of this world is coming, has nothing in me. Another translation says, has no power over me. Amplified New Testament says, I will not talk much more with you. The prince, evil genius, ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. So again, just those ver- that verse right there shows you that Jesus recognized that Satan has, whether it's a moral authority or not, probably not, he has a legal authority. What he did was wrong. He lied, but he caused us to sin. And Satan has a legal right, and Jesus even recognizes that. Then the Apostle Paul, in his writings in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, this is King James Version, New King James, whose mind the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And then New Living uh, Translation makes it even clearer. Satan, who is God of this world, See the verbiage there, little g, God of this world. See, even uh, Paul recognizes the authority that Satan legally gained from Adam. How many get it? Now, what, what it ought to do when you hear this is what it does when I hear it. It makes me say, you know, I don't want the devil ruling my life. And I don't want him stealing from me. I don't want him stealing from my family. I don't want him stealing from my children. I don't want him stealing from you. So I better hit the ground praying. And I'm going to show you why in a minute because now I have authority. Now watch this. So again, Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the image of God. In Ephesians 2, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Now notice this, obeying the devil, then it calls the devil the un, the commander of the powers in this unseen world. You hear that? Satan is the commander of the powers of the unseen world. There's a world seen, there's a world unseen. Now we know that, and I think uh, of any generation that's existed, we ought to understand the existence of things not seen. Because we use technologies today, and we can broadcast anything worldwide, voice, picture, etc., just with the touch of a button. Is that true? That is things not seen. Those are natural things with the laws of quantum physics, but there are spiritual entities not seen yet real. Huh? Why do sometimes, why do you sometimes have an overbearing desire to do what the Bible, and you know the Bible says is wrong? You say, I'm just going to do that anyhow. Why does it just overwhelm you? It's demonic. Yes or no? See, uh, Satan attacks our flesh. He attacks our minds. He attacks our emotions. And he tries to get us to do what we absolutely know is wrong. It's unseen things. So again, he says here, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. Then he says, 
He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following the passion, passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. He's just always working on that. Is that true? Saved and unsaved too. Is that true? By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But the next verse says, but God. I'm glad he put in there, but God. It shows how, what a terrible state the world is in. But thank God for but God. Everybody say, but God, who is rich in mercy. That's what you need to know, right? Jesus has set us free. Here's where we're going. 1 John 5, 19. In fact, Ephesians 6, 12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Then 1 John 5, 19, listen to this. This is contemporary English version. We are certain that we come from God, John says. And that the rest of the world is under the power of the devil. Now, that's clear, isn't it? Passion translation. We know that we are God's children and the whole world lies under the misery and influence of the evil one. So these things are tough to acknowledge, but we have to admit that we live in a fallen, darkened, sin-infested, demon-infested environment where Satan has a, a temporary legal right to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I don't know about you, but see, that, that gives you a fundamental understanding of why we must pray. Again, most people think, well, God's going to do what he wants to do, so, you know, he don't need me. Well, you know what? You, you're deceived. Yes or no? It's true. Let me mention this. Somebody said, now, if that's all this is true, why didn't the devil just kick? Why didn't say Jesus just kick the devil off the earth? When he was here, he couldn't. When Jesus went through the full gospel, he healed the sick. He ministered to the infirmed mentally. People bound by all kinds of phobias and fears. Raised the dead. Preached the gospel. Enlightened the religious. He lived in a fallen world, but he couldn't do anything about Satan's ultimate authority that he gained from Adam at the moment. Even though demon spirits, when they saw Jesus, they fell at his feet. Now that sobers me. If Jesus couldn't run them off, well, they'll never bother anybody again. Then what about me and you? Now, he, at the same time, he exercised authority and control. Yes or no? Huh? So it shows you how serious the situation is. Jesus exercised authority. Number eight, my point number eight, though Satan has legal authority to be here, the church now has man's original authority restored in Christ. Amen. Now that's good news. Now Jesus, anybody know what a prototype is? You know, if a, if a, if a manufacturing company is going to make uh, 10 zillion of this particular object, they'll first of all make a prototype based on the engineer's specs. And they say, this is what we're making. We're making this hinge for this door. We're going to make 25 million hinges. There it is. Look at that hinge or whatever. Right? Jesus is the prototype. Jesus is the first man since Adam. In fellowship with God, out from under Satan's jurisdiction and control, who had ultimate legal authority. And so Jesus 
being who he was, came and spoke to the disciples after appearing to them for 40 days after his resurrection. Just before he ascended to heaven, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Why did Jesus even say that? Jesus is saying that as the representative man. Jesus is saying that not because, he, not because he needed to say it for him. Jesus had authority before he went to the cross, yes or no? He exercised authority over sickness. He exercised authority over demon power. He exercised authority over death, yes or no? Yes, he did. Why did Jesus say this? He was saying as the prototype, as the representative new creation man, all authority has been given unto me. Revelation 1.18, he said it. I am he who lives and was dead. I'm alive forevermore and I have keys in my hand. Keys represent authority. A person with a key can unlock things. He has the keys of hell, the keys of death. He's saying I have authority. Where did he get the authority when Jesus died, went to hell, stayed there three days and nights until God was satisfied that mine, your sin debt was paid? And then he conquered death. The Holy Spirit came on him, got, came upon his spiritual nature in hell. He come up out of hell. And then he got into his, his dead body and it was revitalized and became a flesh and bone body. And he became a person that had never existed before. A new creation. Jesus is the head of a brand new race of people. New creation people. That's what he's saying when he said all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. I'm I'm only enable you to live in a way no one's been able to live before since Adam and Eve died. All authority is given unto me. And then the next two words, go therefore. You know, he could have said, now that authority that I gained from the devil when I, when I bore your sin, when I defeated death, when I defeated hell, when I defeated the grave and I was resurrected, that authority now belongs to every human being that names my name. I'm the prototype. You get it? Which leads me to number nine as I hurry to a close. Christians are the only people on earth with authority over Satan and his helpers. Question, what are you doing with your authority? Most believers do absolutely nothing with it. Why is this happening to me? Why am I having such trouble? Hush and stand up and worship Jesus and let his presence come. And let the Holy Spirit come on you. And let the power of God empower you. And then speak on His behalf and say, In the name of Jesus, be free. Right? See, it gets quiet when I talk. Why are you talking that way? Well, I don't mean to holler. But if you're standing where I'm standing and you're feeling what I'm feeling, you'd holler too. I don't mean to. See, again, Jesus went to the cross as the representative man. First Corinthians calls him two things. Calls him the second Adam. Calls him the last Adam. Huh? See, Jesus, first person born since Adam and Eve sinned. Born in fellowship with God. Born out from under death's tyranny, Satan's jurisdiction. Jesus had authority. And then when he was raised from the dead, he created a new race of people. He's the second Adam, the last Adam. 
And now we have the authority that the first Adam had. It's restored to us in Christ. How many hear me? Prior to the cross, here it is, Luke 10, 19. It says, Behold, I give you, Jesus said to the disciples, authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He sent them out and gave them the use of his name. In my name, you'll cast out devils. In my name, you'll heal the sick. In my name, you'll raise the dead. In my name, you'll preach the gospel. In my name, you'll exercise authority because in Jesus' name is everything that Jesus is. It worked prior to the cross. We now live in the name. You hear me? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, Paul said, yet not the wisdom of this age. And then he says something insightful. He says, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Now, the Bible's an amazing book. It can be talking about natural things and suddenly switch to spiritual things. And that's what it does here. We speak wisdom among those who are mature in Christ, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age. He's not talking about, he's not talking about princes and kings they had in Bible times. He's not talking about presidents and prime ministers there. He's talking about spiritual entities behind the scenes that have authority and that are controlling the atmosphere of the world. He says, we speak wisdom among those who are mature he said, no, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age. And then he quantifies the rulers of this age, their demon forces. And he says about them, who are coming to nothing. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. The devil's just after me all the time. Shut up. I mean, come on, y'all. Wake up. They're coming to nothing. Amplified says, who are being brought to nothing and doomed to pass away. Every time temptation comes, every time the enemy attacks, just be aware. They know their time's coming and their, their authority is doomed to pass away. We, New Testament, who are in the process of being liquidated. A business is going out, has a liquidation sale. It's getting rid of all of its stuff. They are in the process of being dethroned, Young's literal translation, of those becoming useless. Moffat's translation perhaps says it best, the dethroned powers that rule this world. They're dethroned. Now they have a right to be here until Adam's lease runs out, but they have a they, but they're there. But they're dethroned, but you have to take authority over them. How many hear me? And if you don't, they won't go anywhere. They'll just laugh at you. Colossians 1.13, the Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. When the enemy comes to attack with sickness, with disease, with lack, with all kinds of mess, with, with fear, doubt, depression, oppression, you say, whoa, 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 I got to transfer don't you know I'm not under your jurisdiction or kingdom in the name of Jesus clear out 
Colossians 2.15, the Apostle Paul said this. There's several translations. In this way, speaking of Christ and his sacrifices, death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, New King James says, having disarmed the principalities and powers. Did you hear that? They are disarmed. Now, they still got their guns and stuff, but they're disarmed to you. Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And in this writing, he's given credence to what, uh, what uh, armies did in Bible days and, be- and, be- and before Bible days. When they defeated an enemy army, they would take the other uh, army that they defeated and they would take their armament. They would take all of, the, all of the stature that told who they were. They were the colonels. They were the generals. They were the soldiers. Sergeants, they were the lieutenants, strip all of their stuff off of them, grab them, and, and actually take all of their clothes off and march them naked through the streets, saying, Our enemy is completely defeated. Now you should revel in the victory that we have won for you. How many hear me? And that's what Jesus did for, for Satan. He said, Colossians 2:15, New Living. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, he shamed them publicly. By his victory on the cross. Amplified, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them. In triumphing over them in him and in it, the cross. Message paraphrase, I like this one. He tripped, uh, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Isn't that good? J.B. Phillips' translation, then having drawn the sting of all the powers and authorities ranged against us, he exposed them, shattered, empty, and defeated in his own triumphant victory. I just added this this morning. Passion translation was so good, I got to read it. He makes it so clear. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Let me get real. When I was a little boy, I watched sci-fi movies, poltergeist, spooky movies, devil movies. You know, that person under the power of the devil, heads twisting all the way around there going, (laughs) scared everybody. The priest is dying. Bad things are happening. So most people have the idea, well, don't talk about the devil. He'll attack you. Shut up. You have authority over him. Huh? If you're a mealy-mouthed believer, you're a defeated believer. How many hear me? We have to assert our rights and privileges in Christ. How many hear me? Our enemy, he does not fight fairly. He doesn't think fairly. He's a thief. And he's looking for an inroad. And we got to be wiser than he is. So if you're afraid of the devil, when I first came to Jesus... Man, I would hear somebody's preaching the way I'm preaching now. I'm thinking, man, that dude better watch out. Something going to attack him, boy. Something bad going to happen. Well, you know what? If you're in Christ, you're safe. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. That's a place of protection, care, and safety. How many hear me? Huh? 
You don't have to be, if you're afraid of the devil, get these scriptures I just mentioned. They're on Version Bible today. They'll be on our website tomorrow. Download them. I made it easy for you. I have read them thousands of times. When I was a young believer, the scripture I just read to you, I read them over and 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 over because I had to submit inside of me that the devil doesn't have authority over me and I don't need to be afraid of him because Jesus defeated him. He stripped him of his authority. He stripped him of his power to bother me. Yeah, but you know somebody I know, the devil bothered them. Well, you know, you're not them, you're you. And you don't know why that happened to them. You don't know why that happened. You don't know the inroad. You don't know everything they were thinking and doing. You don't know everything. That's what most people do. Well, it didn't work for so-and-so, so it won't work for me. Why do you take that attitude? Jesus died to give you freedom. Jesus died to give us victory. How many hear me? You don't have to be afraid of Satan and all of his demon spirits. In fact, my experience over all these years of ministry, anytime a demon force has come, come anywhere near me, they are afraid of you. They operate in subterfuge, if you know what that is. Subterfuge is unseen, unknown. That's the mafia chieftain telling all the mafia guys what to do, and nobody even knows his name, but he's obviously there because he's telling them what to do. That's the devil. Huh? But you have authority over him. How many hear me? And we need to wake up and use the authority. Anytime the demonic forces, and I've had demon spirits, people in my office who were, who were demonically inclined, and every time I just, I just talked talking about Jesus and his blood, they hit the ground. How many hear me? The devil loves America because he lives in nice homes, in people's bodies, and drives a nice car, and eats nice food. And unless you unmask him, he'll keep doing that. And he'll rule your life with fear. If you're here today and fears are dominating you, you're afraid of this, afraid of that. That was my life. I got in these scriptures and found out that Jesus gave me authority. The same authority he had when he was raised from the dead is mine and belongs to every believer in Christ equally. If you know who you are in Christ, the devil is just afraid of you as he is of Jesus. If you live right. Yes or no? Is that true? You don't have to be afraid of him. Now here's what happens. Things happen to people you know. And then the devil says, see, that happened to them. It's going to happen to you. In fact, worse is going to happen to you. You better look out. You better shut up. You better not use that name. You better not go there. You better not do that. You just better be an innocuous Christian. Go to church. Give your tithe. Help old ladies across the street. Be nice to people. Don't make any waves. I said, that is, that is wrong. God wants you to love him and exercise authority over his enemy. How many hear me? It's awesome. You know, I got so much I could say. I, I used to be, listen to this, I used to be afraid to go to Africa. Because when I was a little boy, I guess I watched movies and saw the voodoo guys. You know, all that. You can go in there. Somebody be putting a hex on you. And now I know people in our congregation, you're from Africa. I mean, I get it. First time I landed, I thought, 
wait a minute. The devil's a stupid rascal. This is a, I love Africa. I landed, they opened the plane door, got in the truck, car, SUV, going down the streets. And man, look at this beautiful country. Yeah, the devil's here just like he's in America, just like he's in Europe, just like he's in Australia, just like he's in Asia, <laughs> India, Af- all over. And the same devil that confronted me in America that confronted me there. And you know what? I said, in the name of Jesus, clear out. Here's what you need to know and I'll close. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, your adversary the devil. As a roaring lion seek, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He's like a roaring lion. He has a big growl but no bite. Unless you don't know your authority. Then he'll keep nipping at you till he whips you. Right? Then the next verse, 1 Peter 5, 9, whom resist steadfast in your faith. Now here's, and I'll stop with this, start next time. And then talk about the necessity of prayer and then how this prayer thing works. It's much more broad than you'd ever know. God's got people all over the world, two, over 2 billion Christians all over the world. And he's got people might be naming your name before God. And you don't even know them on the other side of the world. When Satan comes to a life, he does two things. He plants a thought in your mind. And then a feeling in your body and emotions. And he tries to get you to believe a lie. That you're defeated. Things aren't working. Who were you? Who were they? God don't love you. Look. Yeah, there's everybody else God loves. But it's you. Look what you did. Look what you said. You don't qualify. And he'll whip your tail. Kenneth Hagin is one of the schools I graduated from. He used to say, if Satan can keep you in the arena of thought, he will whip you and whip you badly. But if you keep him in the arena of faith, you'll defeat him every time. So the key is, every single time a wrong thought comes to your mind or a wrong feeling in your body. Don't say what you're feeling. Don't say what you're thinking. Say what God says about you. And you'll just win. Y'all, I I, got to go, but I just tell you, I have fought such personal battles. The devil doesn't like me or any, any of us. But if you're a leader and you're leading a group of people, man, it's like, Well, if I can get him, I can get them. So, you know, you think you, you think you want to lead spiritually? Are you prepared for the fight? And y'all, I have been by myself. My God. First thing you do, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. How many hear me? Every person in this room, as I close, has authority. If you're a believer in Christ, start exercising your God-given authority today. Don't let the devil trounce on you. See, I feel, I I feel that some of you are disappointed in yourself. The mafia chieftain, the devil, is using that disappointment to keep you away. Keep you away from Jesus. Keep you away from God. Keep you away from the Bible. Keeping you away from closeness. I messed up. Well, see, everybody's messed up. The blood of Jesus straightens up messes.
He cleanses you. How many hear me? Some of you are discouraged because of you. Get your eyes off you and put them on Jesus. Jesus went to the cross, died, went to hell for you, whereas raised from the dead so you could be free. Honor him by honoring his sacrifice. Honor him by looking away from the thoughts and the feelings that are here. Honor him by saying what he says about you. He loves you. He's made a way for you to be free. How many hear me?